raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he writes regarding the Rams for the AP, Greg Beecham who joins us now. Greg, let's start right here. So you get a short week coming off a Monday night loss, cross-country flights, all this kind of mixing in. How are the Rams and Sean McVay handling this week leading up to this week four matchup back here in Indy? Hey, John, uh, I think they're handling it pretty well considering the way the last couple of weeks have gone. Haven't uh, been stellar performances by the Rams in either game, but uh, back-to-back road games are a good opportunity to bond as a team, as you know, and uh, just get this, get some things together. And I think they have enough injury health that they can they can put a pretty solid team on the field. And uh, in general, you, you could be in a lot worse shape than they are right now in general. And we know, too, the uh, situation with Cooper Cup, who will not play. However, have some uh, dinged individuals on the offensive line. So let's start right there. How's this offensive line, you think, going to look as far as health is concerned on Sunday? John, this offensive line uh, was a massive question mark going into this season, largely because they had a pretty poor offensive line last year that got injured a lot and did not protect Matthew Stafford to the point that he could even finish the season. And then they didn't really make any additions beyond Steve Avila, the, the, the guy they drafted from TCU, the second, second round pick. Avila, excuse me, I'm still getting used to that. But uh, they, they've, mm. got, they've got across the board, they've got an, an undrafted player at left tackle who, uh, who also got hurt last week in the game. They've got Avila at left guard. They've got an undrafted center. They've got Joe Noteboom at right guard who also got injured and who was signed to be their left tackle and is being paid like a left tackle, only they don't play him at left tackle because the undrafted Alaric Jackson beat him out. And then at right tackle, they've got Rob Havenstein, who's been the anchor on one of the two remaining St. Louis Rams. That, that was a big question going in, and they did so well against Seattle in week one that people were like, oh, well, maybe maybe they've got, they're onto something here. They just needed help. They just needed another year of togetherness. And then the last two weeks, it hasn't been great. I mean, San Francisco is not a, you know, a, a bellwether of, of whether you can block or not because they have some of the best players in the game up front rushing the quarterback but then they didn't do very well against against uh cincinnati either who also has very talented players but it's starting to it's starting to already be a concern whether this line as constituted can actually protect matthew stafford and keep him in position to do what he does best and carve up some defenses and so india has a has a chance this week to uh, exploit that as a weakness on the rams offense and see what they can get from that and i would not be surprised if they do so Greg Beecham, AP writer for the Rams, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Rams Colts, Sunday, week four, one o'clock at Lucas Oil Stadium. So when you look at that, that win over Seattle, then you're talking about the, the two after that. Is that more of a story of just trying to deal with the opposing team's defensive line that at the beginning of all this has been the big issue for this Rams team? I think that's exactly what it is. When we looked at the schedule to start the season, we're like, they're going to need a break not to start 0-3, whether they are good or not, just because they're playing three pretty good teams. And the fact that Seattle is maybe not as good as people thought it, thought they were preseason, they, they took advantage of that and they cashed it in. But then the last two weeks, they played two really good teams and they performed well against San Francisco. I wouldn't say they performed as well against Cincinnati for, for various reasons, most of which not being able to keep you know, Matthew Stafford off his back. And, uh, you know, we don't know where they're at right now. This is going to be a great bellwether test of whether the Rams actually have, a, have the ability to play 500 football this season and get in the playoff race. Because if, if Indy takes care of them, then, you, you know, you're, you're questioning whether any of what they've got going is, is going to be sustainable in the long term. And your, your worst case scenarios about the Rams going into this season when they let go of so many good players and just 
just passed them out and and let them walk in free agency or traded them just to get take all their salary cap pain this year in hopes of like starting a new quote unquote next year while building some depth in the organization by playing players who maybe wouldn't get playing time on a really good team this year can come to fruition. So they're at a real crossroads right here already in week four to see whether they can beat teams that are the likes of the Colts who are another young team with a lot of, with a lot of up and coming talent, but not necessarily trying to contend for a Super Bowl championship this year. Are they, where do they stand in this hierarchy? And, and this, this week is going to tell us a lot about the Rams. Uh, giving us a Rams update right here. Week four with the Rams and the Colts. Greg Beecham uh, of the AP covers the Rams on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Are, are they trying just to hold on before Cooper Cup gets back? Your thoughts on his return? I know he's going to wait at least four weeks, uh, which I think that'll end coming up this week, obviously. But are they just kind of waiting there? And then what have we seen offensively? With the fact that Cup has not started the season being active, how has that offense been compared to what you thought it was going to be before the start of the season? John, there's no team that would not benefit from an infusion of Cooper Cup, who had one of the greatest seasons in NFL history in 2021. Having said that, you can make an argument that receiver is their strongest position group on this team. They have guys back there who have played and who can get it done. Uh, you start with you start with Van Jefferson, who is a veteran Super Bowl champion, a steady guy, not getting a lot of them. But then this year, the story of the offense has been the emergence of two young guys who one is a rookie and one did not get much of a chance to play for his first two seasons because Sean McVay is a stubborn coach in a lot of ways. And that's that's Puka Nakua. Learn the name, spell it. <laughs> uh, he, yeah. He's a rookie from BYU. I and I've been practicing in the mirror for a while. I'm ready. Me too, yeah. me too for three months now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's an exceptional rookie out of BYU. A lot of talent, a lot of ball sense, a lot of smarts. He's just, just a productive receiver. Just one of those guys who's not going to blow you away with his speed. But he's always in the right place. He's always open. He reminds a lot of us of Cup. He reminds us some of Keenan Allen in terms of his ability to get open constantly. He's just a very talented guy, and Matthew Stafford already has a bond with him to the point you've seen the number of targets he's got already. It's absurd. Yeah. He's having one of the best seasons in NFL history for, for a rookie receiver, and as long as he stays healthy, there's no telling what he could do. I mean, he could, have, he could have ridiculous numbers if he and Stafford are together all year. And then the other one is Tutu Atwell from University of Louisville, who uh, got drafted in the second round in uh, 2021 and then barely played for the Rams in the Super Bowl season, got injured right, right after Sean McVay said he was disappointed in him. And then last year, barely got to play until injured has basically forced Sean McVay to play him at the end of the season. He's one of the speediest guys on the team, maybe in, in, this, in this half of the NFL. He burns up the field. He's a, he's a great deep threat. He's also a really tough player and with good ball sense and good hands. And the fact that he didn't get to show that last year, particularly when the Rams were struggling for consistency in the passing game, is really – and Sean McVay said it. He, he, he holds his hand up. He says, I should have played him earlier. It's my fault. And the fact that he's really got to play a lot this year and has really performed just shows how much time they wasted with Tutu. So those three guys with, with Van Jefferson are, are an exceptional core of, of receivers that can get a lot done if Matthew Stafford, again, has the time to throw it behind that offensive line, which is very questionable at best. So that's, that's where they're at in terms of the passing game. And then the running game, they've got Notre Dame's Kyron Williams in there. And uh, he's doing an exceptional job to the point where they, they gave up on, on Cam Akers, who had been in Sean McVay's doghouse for the better part of the last two years and decided just to go with Kyron full-time. He's a durable, tough back who's smart. He, all, he, does, he lacks the, maybe the explosiveness that you need as an NFL running back to really separate yourself, but he's working on that in terms of like explosive plays and knowing his blocks and knowing what to do. So, again, they've got the tools on this team. They've even got a good tight end, Tyler Higby, who uh, has an Achilles injury but is supposed to be okay to play. They've got all the tools. The question is all whether Matthew Stafford has the time to do it. And when he does, he's going to carve up some teams this year.
So Greg Beecham from the AP covers the Rams with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, Rush Yeast is a yokel, uh, yokel. Rush Yeast is a local kid from Center Grove High yeah. School. We know him very well. How is he acclimating to the secondary of that defense in LA? He's one of the bright spots and one of the good stories of the season so far. They let their two starting safeties from last year walk and uh, just basically let them leave, decided they were too expensive, and decided to go with Russ as one of the uh, starting safeties. And he barely played last year, as you know, you know, got, got a bit of a chance. But yeah. the defensive coaching staff, in particular Raheem Morris, was very trustworthy in him and saying, this is a guy who has outperformed his draft position. We think he can perform at, on, on Sundays for us at a, at a major level. And so far he's done it. I mean, he's playing on a defense that lost a ton of talent, and he's, you know, having to pick things up on the fly. They even, they even brought in John Johnson, who was a veteran, you know, safety, played on the Rams' first Super Bowl team under McVay, and then went to Cleveland for two years and played out of position and didn't do quite as well. They brought him in, and when, he, when they did that, we thought maybe they're blinking. Maybe they're saying we don't trust Jordan Fuller and Rush East quite to the point that we, we're, we're saying right now. And the fact is, like, Russ has held his position, and he's, he's clearly still a key part of the defense, a guy they're going to rely on going forward. And so it's, it's really cool to see because he's a great guy. We love talking to him. And uh, his teammates love him. And uh, it's really cool to see a guy come up from a position where he got drafted and put himself in a position like this to really make an impact. So it's good for us. Yeah, he was a, a fantastic player for a friend of mine, Eric Moore, at Center Grove High School. And um, oh, cool. it is really cool to see how he has, has elevated, Greg, his game now to the NFL level. You mentioned Raheem Morris, his defensive coordinator, liking him. What, what, what's the signature reason as of right now Morris feels a great deal of comfort and confidence in Rush East in that secondary. Rush East plays smarter than his experience, I think, is the thing that, that uh, Raheem keeps coming back to. He, he knows the game in a way that you can teach, but it, it, there's an element of instinct there that you can't always teach everything, as you know, particularly in the position that Russ plays back there. Uh, Raheem has said repeatedly that, that, that Russ is a hard worker, a hard studier, and somebody who wants to get better and somebody who's really striving to master the game at the next level. And at the point where the Rams' defense is right now, where they're rebuilding, they're trying to get depth in the organization, they're trying to get guys who can build up the, the core of the team because the Rams have been traditionally a top-heavy team under Sean McVay and Les Snead, as you know. You know that they never met a superstar they didn't like. They never met a salary cap they couldn't bend like Jello. And they always go out and get somebody. And, and at this point, they've decided, okay, it's not that this has failed. It's that we're at a point where the, the way we would have to extend ourselves would be ridiculous. So what we decided to do was get rid of everybody except for three guys who cost a lot of money this year. And we're going to rebuild it yeah. and try to come back in 2024 strong. And part of that philosophy, even having a chance to work, is finding guys like Rush Yeast who can play beyond their experience and who can contribute immediately because you can't just – tank with Aaron Donald on your team. You can't just tank with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup on your team. You have to put a team out there that's competing and trying to win. And while they have one of the youngest teams in the NFL with Indy, they are also trying to win. And a big factor in that is guys like Rush Yeast, guys like Ernest Jones, guys like Bobby Brown, who are stepping in there and contributing yeah. at a level where they may not have been ready to in the past. And it's been fun to watch so far. It's uh, Greg Beecham right there, the AP. He is a writer and covers the Rams, getting you updated on a lot of things and, of course, even the local interests as far as uh, Rush East is concerned in that secondary of the Rams. Rams and Colts coming up on Sunday at 1 o'clock, week four of the NFL. Hey, Greg, man, I appreciate you hopping on here. Safe travels to get back here into the Midwest and to Indy on Sunday and enjoy the game, man. Thank you very much. 
Appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me on. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline right now. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 joins us. So I gather there's been no setbacks and everything looks all good for both quarterback and center to participate once again as starters in this Colts offensive lineup against the Rams on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, all you can do is by, go by how they're practicing and you know, right. Ryan Kelly was did not have a red jersey yesterday, which is which is generally I, always, I say generally because everything you know everybody's different, but that's generally the last step before getting uh, clearance from the medical staff at the independent neurologist. And we can't we can't tell if if Richardson was was on the same path because he wears a red jersey, so you can't tell. But I, yeah, I'm assuming, and you know, it's probably not out of, out of the realm of possibility that they're both cleared tomorrow instead of maybe Saturday, which uh, at least that would give us some clarity. But everyone you talk to outside the coaching staff, because they're not going to tip their hands, but everyone expects uh, at least Richardson, whenever I've talked to him, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's back. We're looking forward to having, you know, we're, we're glad that we've, we get him back so we can do what he does. So, yeah, I, I think that everything points towards that. He's taken all, you know, as Shane Stein told us, he was going to take all first-team reps starting Wednesday. So it's very clear that that's, that's their intention, and we've seen no uh, setbacks. And, and so uh, it would be nice if we get some kind of announcement tomorrow, and we might. So Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 joins us. I'm going to give you a, a, a quick, and I know this has been a very small sample portion of a season so far, as the Colts start at at two and one, can you make any comparisons to the type of season, at least in the early stages, they ended up having back in 2012? People have asked me about making comparisons, and it's still so early. I've been a little bit hesitant to do it, but yeah, you, know, you live through it as well. Are there any comparisons to be made regarding that season that was so surprising to maybe where we're off and running with this one? To me, no, because there was more of a certainty with the quarterback. And this isn't to, to throw any shade on Richardson at all, but he's only played five quarters, and we've got, you know, Minshew figured the other one. So, no, because back then, luck was you knew from the start that this guy was special. Maybe not that special, because what, what they have eight or nine fourth quarter comebacks, which is just ridiculous. But that that felt more more, more uh, uh, I don't know, expected in the moment because of, uh, because you really had the quarterback that, the, yeah, there were high expectations, but we also expected pretty quick returns from him. Again, I'm not sure if, if, if 11 and 5 in the playoffs or not, but this one you're still, you know, I think there's still some wait and see uh, with the quarterback and get him out there and let him, let him grow 
because, boy, he's shown you flashes where you think, man, this, this is going to be really fun to watch. Uh, hopefully we talk to him tomorrow, which would be kind of nice. But, yeah, other than the wins, and I'd like to see a, a show of hands from anyone who had outside of the Colts complex who had these guys two and one. Uh, I, don't, I don't think very few people, you know, I'm sure very few people had them at this point. And, and now, you know, and now, you know, it's, it's so crazy. Now do it again. You know, it's, it's crazy. The last, their last home win. Was it like a year ago? I think it was Jacksonville. Uh, you know, Jeff Saturday never won a game here as a coach. Uh, so, so get back to winning. You know, you're supposed to, you know, if you look at the schedule, it's, it's boy, go six and two at home and split your road games. And then you're right there. So they, they need to get back. You know, I think they got a nice little home stretch here. You know, make hay and 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 then see what you got. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 other than the fact that they've got the winning record and and all that, there's, and there's momentum. I can't really compare it to 2012, just because again, I go back. I, I kind of thought we knew what the quarterback was going to give them, and this one you kind of think you do, but until you see it, you just really don't know. So Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore. Automotive Group Hotline. So is it going to be back to Anthony Richardson on Sunday again, assuming that he's going to be the starter under center, back to doing and calling plays for Anthony Richardson as they normally would do? I mean, is it all, again, 100% what you would expect to see from him, from Shane Steichen playing the calls as the offensive coordinator and head coach and the execution for the quarterback? Is that your expectation? You mean as opposed to, to trying to protect him from himself and all that I, stuff? I, I just, I mean, it, it, and, and I want to add a little bit to this too. It, it just kind of seems like it, it almost is, I mean, just kind of reality or it would be natural to try to slowly work somebody back in like that. It, yeah, but he, that, but he only missed one game. He only missed can, one game in three practices. So right. I, it's not like he's been on IR for a month. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to see any – any difference? The only, again, the only difference might be is is, is and if we talk to the quarterback tomorrow, we'll ask him about because it, it'll be a, it'll be an issue until it's not about protecting yourself and when when to do this, when not to do that. I don't think they'll. I don't think so. You know, whether it's like you say, diving things back a little bit. Or I, I think you just do it. You just do it like you did the opener. Or not like no, like you did the second game because we didn't really see the second game. The first game, but we saw the second game, opening up the run game with him. No, I, I think they just go about their business and they just they just try to week to week and all this. You try to tell the quarterback that there are times when you need to not see how 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 far you can take a play. You know, wins enough enough and all that, and and he'll learn. You know, when people you got to realize he's played he played thirteen games in college, so. He's still very much learning how to do things up here as far as getting all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, again, you go back and look at the play that he got a concussion on, and that was a football play. You know, I still contend, and maybe he'll tell us that, that if he had, if he had just balled out into the end zone, he probably wouldn't have got hit because the safety would have, they're so conscious about not hitting guys in the end zone. But, you know, maybe he gets hit and he doesn't you know, fall flat and, you know, smack his head. So that's a football play. It's kind of like when Andrew Luck had the, was it the last rated kidney against Denver? 
that was a football play. He was at like inside the five yard line trying to score. But there are times when, when, and we, it's funny, we still see Josh Allen in, in Buffalo. He's not learned anything. He's still doing stupid things around the football by leaping and instead of going out of bounds and he got a first down, he cuts inside to take contact. But I think Richardson will learn, you know, week to week and year to year uh, how to do things. But what I really want to see is, is this kid play four, six, eight, the rest of the season with, with very few interruptions because of injury and just see how he, he evolves that way. It's kind of hard to go hit and miss and, and, you know, play, don't play because you're hurt and then get back in there. It's just sort of hard to see somebody grow, but I want to see him out there for an extended time and see how he grows and then how Shane Steichen, you know, learns to, this, this is still a a, a new toy for him because you, you, you got all these things in your head that you know, you can do with him, but you're not sure how soon you can do it with him. So it it really, it's so important to, to play, get the reps and see how he grows as the coaches get confidence in, in what he can do. But knowing, they know what he can do, but, but when he can do it. Mike Chappell, who is with us, a similar feeling for Ryan Kelly. I know we're kind of concentrating on the quarterback position of the rookie, Anthony Richardson, but similar feeling you have regarding Richardson for that of center Ryan Kelly? Yeah, it is kind of funny because we're in a press room. It's like, you know, oh, and, and Ryan Kelly. You know, let's not forget that you're – Pro Bowl centers in protocol too, and in the last time, if I'm not mistaken, that he had a concussion, it it was over a prolonged time. It was, it was like five weeks. So yeah, I think I think so. I think he's back, and you know they, these guys. If if you're ever on the field, even even in training camp when they're hitting, you wonder how they don't get concussions all the time because they get smacked around. I've still got a video on my phone that I, it, uh, I I guess I watch it occasionally just because I'm thinking how in the hell it was Andrew Luck against Green Bay as a rookie and the outside linebacker comes in and just face plans him it was unbelievable and Luck just gets up and keeps playing and you're thinking how in the heck is that not a concussion how? but you just it's just it, that's why it's so hard to to compare uh, concussions because everybody's different maybe a guy gets you know, there was a there was a, uh, a practice uh, back in the in the days of the old Colts with Dallas Clark, and he got a concussion in a walkthrough, for crying out loud. I don't know how you do that, but but so it, they can come anyway. But no, I I think they're both good to go. The fact that Kelly has now had two practices without the red jersey, I don't know. It, yeah, I guess we was he out there on Wednesday? No, he was out there. He's not been out there in a red jersey. So that, that's that's a good sign. And these they do they do not put these guys out there. If they're at an undue risk, and, and of course you're always, you know, at, at risk with a concussion because you just don't know. But they do not, you know, they, they held out Jelani Woods or uh, uh, Drew Ogletree uh, a week after having a concussion in the opener. So they they really really uh, have these guys' health, especially especially concussions. You don't mess around with those, and these guys don't do that. Hey, Mike, the defensive line, and obviously they have met up through the first three weeks with a, a dinged-up opposition along the offensive line, which may very well certainly be the case coming up on Sunday once again against the Rams. But among those that have played at a high level on that defensive line, 
Where do you start right now, and, and might it be with Quiddy Pay? What's your impression on Pay? Is he finally coming into what the Colts expected him to be when they drafted him? Yeah, I, I think him and, and Samson Ibukam, he, he's, he's been a terror off that, off that right side. We were talking on our podcast at Fox 59 today, and I think Quiddy's going to be with one of those guys that he's going to give you 10, 12 sacks, but it's, he's not going to be that 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 flash pass rush guy. That's what more Samson's giving you. I think Quiddy's going to be that guy that he just wears your ass out. He's going to give you hopefully double digit sacks, and he's also going to give you, you know, the run support and pressures. And he's got two fumble recoveries this year, and you know, which is fine. That's you know, again, we, we were talking in the station last week about, you know, he sort of he sort of reminds us of Jabal Sherrod. Now, you want more than that, but Sherrod was pretty good. He, he, he was pretty good. All you need all you need from Quiddy is, you know, 10, 12 sacks, and then have, well, they got 12 sacks, and by seven people, by seven people. It, it, you need to have guys that in, on third and 12 or whatever that, that the other team has to kind of say, okay, we got to really watch this guy. I'm not sure these guys are there yet, but, boy, with Quiddy and, and Ebukam, that would be – Two pretty good guys, and then you know, then oh, by the way, you got Buckner, you got Tyquan Lewis, you got Dio. Uh, they've got as deep of a front four. It's not for, it's like it's like a front eight, uh, and that's what you want. You want to keep these guys healthy, and then in the fourth quarter, if the game allows, you really get after people. So I, I like this defensive front. The, the linebackers are as good of a group as they've had. They they really are. I mean, Zaire Franklin is really he, he's a stud. He he really is. Uh, EJ Speed is having a great season, and Shaq has had sort of a quiet season, but that's what I expected. I mean, he really hasn't played, you know, full 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 out since 2021. You know, last year it was you know he just wasn't right, and he knew it. So I I sort of expected a uh, I hate to use slow, but just a quieter start. But let him build up to it. That, that's that's a really really good group. Mike Chapel, CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine, getting you set for the Rams and the Colts Week Four, one o'clock. The start of Lucas Oil Stadium coming up on Sunday. Uh, Zach Moss has been absolutely fantastic in the past two weeks since coming back from that broken arm. Um, however, I, I think it's it's foolish to believe he's going to be able to to hold up the level of carries. All right, coming up after this week, we're going to find out exactly what they plan on doing ultimately with Jonathan Taylor. Is there a fit here? Certainly there should be, but is there going to be a fit because he has to? People have asked me this regarding Taylor, Mike, and I just don't have any other answer. I don't know unless he gets traded how in the world he's going to be able to do anything else other than play for this team. Would you agree with that? And then have you allowed yourself to maybe think about what might be the combination with Moss and Taylor in the not-so-distant future in that backfield? Well, the combination is going to be after after they're really comfortable. Let's put all the personal stuff aside. But when they get to the point that he's in in football shape and, and he's ready to go, whether that's Three weeks, four weeks, I don't know. I mean, he won't, it won't be that long before he's added to the active roster. But to where they believe he can carry 15 times a game, 
he's the guy. He he just is. I mean, he, he he's he's just a different level player. Dur- during all this time, when when I saw nationally, well, people tried to dismiss him as he's just a guy. No, he's not just a guy. Doggone it, he's, he's a he's a top three running back. Uh, but yeah, you, but you're right. What, what Moss is doing is not sustainable. It, it, he, I went back and looked, and he's only the fifth player, the fifth Colts to have 30 carries in a game since '99. Since Edge made it, you know, he did that every week. So it's it's not what you do, and it, and that kind of is a reflection of their lack of, of of reliable depth at the position. You know, this past game, Trey Sermon got five carries, or was it 17 yards? But he got those because. You know, Moss had to bring himself out because he was either gassed or I think he had a he was banged up on a, a, a right leg or whatever. But no, it's it's not sustainable. It just isn't. But I, I what what was really kind of telling to me is we talked to Shane Steichen on Monday and he said, yeah, he'll, you know, Jonathan comes off the pup in a couple of weeks. Well, he can he can come off next week, but he hasn't practiced since December. Uh, and to think he's going to be ready in a week or two weeks is just crazy. I, I, they just, again, as I say, they don't do that to players. So it, it could be, it could be, you know, the third game when he comes back, not Tennessee, but the next game. And 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 I don't think they're, they're not going to throw him out there and, and be 15, 20 carries right away. It is going to be a mixture. But boy, I tell you, if, if the offensive line's playing well and Richardson's doing what he does, Taylor's going to have an impact. Now. We're going to have to wait and see how he comes back as far as his what kind of mentalities they have. But I initially thought through all of this that what makes the most sense is just to trade him. Just, and even if that means dumping him for a, you know, a late round pick or whatever, you know, third day pick, I don't think they will do that. First of all, you need to have somebody to dump him on. And, you know, what, what, what does Miami need him for to score 80? You know, and Green Bay probably not. And, you know, the team that needs a, a, a strong running back is Baltimore. But I just – I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't. So he's got to come back here. And and the first time we talk to him, it's just going to be, you know, how how committed are you to this team? And, and how he responds to us. I guess doesn't matter, but how he responds to the team does matter. And there, there has to be – maybe there aren't any fences to man internally uh, outside of the owner. I mean, they, they, you know, they've, they've had some back and forth, at least with the agent. But to, to think he, he wouldn't have an impact here on this offense, of course he will. But how soon – again, I think it's going to be that third week – when is he eligible to play? It's not. I just don't think it'll be those first two weeks. I just don't see him, the team pushing him that quick. But again, first of all, he's got to pass the physical. That, that's that's step one. Whether that's Monday or Tuesday, or I guess theoretically he could have already passed. Although that would have certainly leaked out from somebody. But uh, hey. it's. I, I just I just want it to be resolved one way or the other. Just, just and that, that's selfish. So let's just do it so we can concentrate on the quarterback. So we can concentrate on Pittman in the defense and not have the running back situation dominate what we're talking about. Hey, Mike, do you see any other solutions other than what I presented to you, either trade or you're going to have to play? Are there any well, other, the other hands? A, is, are there any other hands for Taylor's side of things to play here? 
I don't know. It's not a solution, but I guess the other another option is to have him not pass it physical, and then things get really, really messy because then you're going to get well. You're you, we think you can pass, no, I can't, and then you get outside parties yeah. involved, and no, no one, nobody wants to go there. The Colts probably could have pushed things, been more forceful on cut down day because I, you know, I was told they believed he could pass the physical back in July, back in July. And he didn't, and and they didn't push it then because it wasn't the time to draw a line in the sand if you're the team. Well, in the next couple of weeks, it will be. Uh, I, I, I just see no chance. I see no chance that they quietly let him stay on pup all year and pay him his money and all that stuff. I don't see how that works. So, again, at, at, at the most basic level, he's got to pass it. The ball's in his court. So he has to pass physical. And he has, to, he has to come in and play. And from a career standpoint, he needs to come in and play and play well. So to show either that the Colts or to show another team that, that he is what he used to be and he, and he is does have value to a big extension and somebody to give up a compensation for him, that's where he's got to do it. To come in here, and I don't think he will do this, but to come in here and just – what was the, 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 the term in – was it Major League Lollygaggers? You, you can't or Bull, Bull Lollygaggers. Was it Bull Durham? Mine's Bull Durham. Got a bunch of Lollygaggers. He's not going to do that. Yep. He can't because that, that's career suicide. It behooves him to come in and just and just run like a wild man and, and show that he's got value, and that benefits both sides. Whether that's the contract next year here or elsewhere, he's got to prove that he's back to where he was. He's past the injury that now has lingered in everyone's mind for, what has it been, eight months, nine months? Uh, so it, it seems like a lot of it is, is, is in his hands to go out and really make the best of what he thinks is a really bad situation. Well, it, it is a bad situation, but that that's on him to do, and hopefully that's what he does. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Mike, I'll see you in the press box on Sunday. I appreciate you. Looking forward to it. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey, fam. I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline for basketball news. I'm going to lead off with Evan Sidery here. Evan, um, thanks for joining us here. Uh, the big show, obviously, yesterday was that deal-wise with, with Damian Lillard, and that surprised a lot of people, him end up going to, to Milwaukee, and I'm sure it makes a lot of Bucks fans happy. Maybe not a lot of folks in Miami happy, and certainly the Eastern Conference is probably taking a, a double take at that right now. But part of this was Drew Holiday, and, and Drew Holiday is a terrific player, has been very good in Milwaukee, helping them get to 
where they ultimately have been, certainly in recent history, but he was a part of that deal. He's in Portland. Portland, as of right now, Evan, we know this. They are going from the ground up and going with youthful guards in Portland right now, which clearly makes him expendable. Why would people mention the Pacers having interest in Holiday? Talented player. I love him to death. But to me, it doesn't make a great deal of sense here. Help me out. Yeah, I agree with you, JMB. Thanks again for having me on. It's always great to be on with you. But looking at this deal, potentially, for Drew Holiday, who, as you mentioned, was part of that Damian Lillard trade, now is important for the time being. I have a hard time seeing how Indiana can get this sort of thing done and why it makes sense, because we just heard from Chad Buchanan a couple days ago at the Pacers' uh, event that they hosted downtown and he was talking to me and other media members saying that they don't want to make a rash big move and give up all their assets in a single swoop and if you're trying to go for a drew holiday type player a great defender a great veteran at a 20 point per game score who'd fit well next to tyrese halliburton you're probably giving up at least andrew nemhart in that deal you're probably getting up maybe aaron neesmith in that deal or if not one yeah. of those players you're gonna sell your assets three potentially two or three first round picks potentially a tag with Buddy Heal or TJ McConnell, one of those salaries to make it work there. That's a lot to ask for a team like Indiana because I know the expectations are next season they're going to be a 40 to 45 win team. Drew Holiday would certainly put him in that top six tier in my opinion, but he's 30, 32, going to be 33 years old here soon. You'd sign him up to, I imagine, a long-term extension soon after that. So I think you're kind of betting, if you're going for Drew Holiday, I think it's kind of a bet that you're ready to win right now with Tyrese Halliburton. But I think if you envision a player like Andrew Nemhart, for example, John, he kind of reminds you a little bit of Drew Holiday, where he's a great defender, a good shooter, an improving passer as well. I think the Pacers might rather roll the dice here and keep Andrew Nemhart, develop him more, instead of getting up those assets for Drew Holiday. But I think if they were to get a Drew Holiday type of player in the building, they would certainly be a threat in the Eastern Conference. Well, I, I do too, but and I, I really pointed this out before you came on. Evan Sidery of Basketball News joins us, is that, that this type of thing for Drew Holiday, it's going to end up in Miami or Philly or maybe in Boston if we're just kind of zeroing in on the Eastern Conference. That's where it makes most sense. And while I believe the Pacers are going to be better, I picked them to be 10 games better than they were a year ago, which would equate to 20 games better than they were two years ago, I just don't think they're going to be on the level in which it is necessary to do that. I think they have moves in them, and I think that they're going to execute some moves further down the road. This just isn't one I think they're going to do. And if I'm him, I want to go someplace as well that's got a great opportunity to win right now where the Pacers can win, just not at the level of the previous three Eastern Conference teams, Evan, that I mentioned. Yeah, I agree with you, John. And when you see a team like Philadelphia, for example, that's I think going to be desperate to try to match Milwaukee here, and so will Miami in this scenario where they kind of came out of nowhere and took Damian Lillard away from Miami Heat where the Milwaukee Bucks there. I imagine one of those two teams will get Drew Holiday in the end here. I think realistically the James Harden trade been talked about for months on end as well with him potentially going to the Los Angeles Clippers. You could quickly make a three-team deal where Holiday goes to Philadelphia, Harden goes to the Clippers, whatever assets they want from both sides can go to Philadelphia there. But I do think that Drew Holiday, as far as the timeline of this team, I think it's just a year away. And I think if you look at potentially the next summer, you have all your assets in tow, still a lot of young players still. Maybe February at the trade line, if they're overachieving a little bit, if they're, like, let's say, a top five, top 16 Eastern Conference, and they're right at that point to push chips a little bit more, I could see it then. 
But until we see results the first couple months of the season, until I, until we see a Buddy Heald trade or if they keep Buddy Heald around, I kind of want to see what this group looks like because we've seen natural internal growth the last couple of years. And adding in Bruce Brown, adding in Obi Toppin, you're really helping out Tyrese Halbert and his biggest strengths on this, on this team. And I think I kind of want to see that develop before they change up some pieces a little bit. I will say this, and Evan Sattery of Basketball News joins us. Again, it's the Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots Thursday. Castleton's our location at the legendary Ale Emporium. We look for you because the samples are being poured, if you can watch inside the lounge via YouTube Live as I speak right now. Um, and listen, I'm not trying to, to shortcut Drew Holiday whatsoever because the one thing that he would add in that backcourt is something that I've cried about over the years here recently, and that is defensively, he automatically makes them so much better and takes them probably to a level in which they need to get to. I just think right now, it doesn't make a lot of sense from a timing standpoint, and I just don't think that's the deal. When they go a little bit bigger and decide to really get involved in making some deals, I I just don't think that one looks to be the one to me that they would try to execute, but he would automatically make their defense probably where they need to get. Certainly inside the top 20, maybe even, you know, more in there from a defensive standpoint on their perimeter. Just doesn't sound like a deal they're going to do, even if it does improve the defense, which obviously it would. I will say uh, from the positive standpoint of Drew Holiday, if you were to throw him into the mix into Indiana and they don't get much, much assets in return there, let's say it's a Buddy Heald and TJ McConnell and a couple first-round picks, you have a really, really solid infrastructure defensively around Tyrese Halliburton. If you keep Andrew Nemhard, Bruce Brown, you brought into the building as a free agent there. You also have, obviously, Miles Turner running the rim as your rim protector. You can really surround Tyrese Halliburton in multiple versatile lineups, including Jairus Walker, their top pick in this past draft where you could have three or four elite defenders in the court around Tyrese Halliburton. And overnight, really, John, your defense is kind of fixed. I think top 20 is realistic for them. But I could really see if Drew Holiday came into the building and Jairus Walker, for example, was an instant impact kind of defender. They could be flirting with a top 10 defense. You throw in Drew Holiday in the mix there. And if you add in a top 10 defense or a potential one next to an elite offense that we've seen already in a big sample size of Tyrese Halliburton, this team could be really, really, really fun to watch. But like we mentioned, I think it's more about timelines not matching up here. Drew Holiday, let's say he was 27 years old instead of 32, John. I think it'd be a completely different conversation. Yeah, yeah, listen, I completely agree with you on that, too. All right, Evan Sider with us. Before I let you go, what is the latest you're thinking about regarding Buddy Heald here? I don't know if you've listened to me, but I do have an opinion. And you can kind of equate, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, the situation to, you know, Holiday and an expiring contract to that of Buddy Heald and, you know, being a veteran that guys listen to. But beyond that, with Buddy Heald, because I don't buy into the holiday thing, but with Buddy Heald, here's how it is for me. And this is for the short-term future. I think if you improve defensively, if he goes someplace else, okay, I can agree he's never going to be a good defender. We know that. But I think losing his three-point making and losing him as a threat on the floor to be observed and to tag wherever he is, I think that that is too much to lose and not enough to gain defensively if you end up trading him or if he's not a short term more than just this past year type of fix what say you yeah i don't really see the rush and and trying to move buddy yield here because 
with the way this roster is currently constructed, John, he, whether it's off the bench of the sixth man or he's starting and playing, he's, either way he's going to be playing around 30-plus minutes per game next year. And he's going to be playing a big yeah. role on this team, whether it's currently constructed. It's going to be, I wouldn't say impossible, but pretty hard to try to replicate 15-plus points per game, 40% three-point shooter. Great guy to have in the locker room, too. Great friends of Tyrese Halliburton from that camaraderie standpoint. I think it's more so they can wait till December or February, even around then, to see what they can do with Buddy Heald. And if he's, if he's still unhappy around then, maybe you pull a trigger around February. But I just think with the way his team is and what they're trying to do this year, they want to make the playoffs. They want to be a 40- to 45-plus win team and really put themselves back on the map as a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. Letting Buddy Heald go and getting really not much in return, let's say like a, a protected first-round pick and a, and a player that's not going to be in a rotation, I don't really get that from Indiana's standpoint. Chad Buchanan kind of mentioned it to us earlier this week when he mentioned Buddy Heald could play a big role for them. They, they don't want to get rid of him. They, they, the talks are currently off as far as an extension goes, but they, they, I think they're just a little bit far off on as far as annual value and money goes. Because the Pacers still want Buddy Heald around long-term. I just think Buddy Heald wants a little bit more too, much too money than what they're asking for there. But if they can find solid ground, I could see a two-, three-year deal eventually happening there. I think it's going to be seeing how the next couple months go, see how happy Buddy is off the bench. Because I just have a hard time seeing Benedict Matherin being a six-man again this year. You have to uh, prioritize his development a little bit. And Bruce Brown, it's signing him to that contract they did. So I think Buddy Hill could be your sixth man. The question is, will he buy into that role? And if he does, I think he's going to play a really big role in this team. Seven Sider, before I let you go, you, you mentioned what's the starting lineup going to look like and then the rotation. Is is Matherin going to be in the starting lineup? Yeah, it sounds like all indications are that it's going to be Benedict Matherin next to Tyrese Halliburton next season, and that's what should happen. I mean, I think it's long overdue. We saw it the last month of the season, the last six, seven games where they took Buddy Heald out of the starting lineup, let Matherin start. He, he kind of got his feet wet a little bit as far as getting starter-heavy minutes, 35-plus minutes consistently. And I think for the long-term development of this team, that has to be the case next season where Matherin starts. You can have Bruce Brown next to him. You can have Jairus Walker or Obi Toppin at the four, and then Miles Turner at the five. I think those are going to be your starters there. And then leading that bench unit, it could be Andrew Nemhard, Buddy Heald, Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice maybe as your backup center if none of those young guys of Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson further develop. And when you look at those Eight, eight, nine players, John. It's a legitimate rotation there of solid players where I think it surprisingly makes some noise. Sure. I think it's a national view of this Pacers team. I think they're a little, a little bit slept on a little bit too much, in my opinion. So, Evan Sidery of Basketball News, to update us regarding Holiday and a possibility of Pacers' interest right there coming off of that major deal from yesterday and, of course, uh, looking ahead at the Pacers, which the start of the season is not too far away. Evan, what are you writing about before I let you go, brother? So I'm going to be actually starting my own Substack. I'm joining the crowd over at Substack. It's called sourcesaid.substack.com. My first piece in podcast. I'm actually going to be dropping later today about the Damian Lillard trade from all angles, from Portland side, from Phoenix side, why everybody did that deal in Milwaukee especially. And I'm going to look ahead a little bit to certain teams like the Pacers and what they could do with Buddy Heald. The, the comments from earlier this week from Chad Buchanan as well. So I'm going to be writing about all that over at sourcesaid.substack.com. It's my new place I'll be writing at as well. Evan, always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. I appreciate you hopping on here quickly regarding this. Absolutely, John. Anytime. Appreciate it, man. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. 
Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, we, we felt this only appropriate. Um, the Ryder Cup is going on in Giadonia Monticello, Italy. There is no way that is accurate. So in Italy right now, the Ryder Cup is going on. Stop laughing. <laughs> Joining us, the Romanac family. I believe we have Jim. We have the lovely Sarah. We may have Mike. Who do we have live from Rome, Italy, right? I'll say Rome. That's easier for me. Who's on the line right here? Sarah, is that you? Ciao. Yes, it Ciao. is. Ciao. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Went in Rome. Oh, yeah. right? Went in Rome. <laughs> well, okay, I will, I will tell you this. Sarah and Romy, I watched HBO's White Lotus this past season, and it took place in Italy. That's pretty good yeah. right there. There's a lot of action going on in Italy on White Lotus. It's now, you're in Rome. Yeah, you're in Rome. Yeah. As, as, when does the Ryder Cup officially get underway? Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. 735. Tomorrow morning. All right. So what have we seen so far? You guys give me both. both, Hey, Romy, you and Sarah, give us some updates on on what you witnessed so far from Rome prior to the start of the Ryder Cup. So far, so far, what we witnessed today was the junior Ryder Cup team got absolutely slaughtered by the European team. Uh, It was not pretty, my friend. Uh, Hopefully that is not a uh, what's going to happen over the weekend. But what I'm going to tell you is this. Here's what I'm going to tell you guys. By the time you guys wake up tomorrow morning, these these first pairing foursomes that I've got to tell you are, are already going to happen. First pairing out tomorrow morning, local time. By the way, JB, I don't know if you know this, but the Ryder Cup is sponsored by Elijah Craig. I did know that because uh, somebody that you know very well, Brent Alverson, told me about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yes, I and do he's know. Smart, he's, a smart, he's a smart man. So I'll tell you what, he tomorrow is. morning, 7.35 local time, John Rahm and Terrell Tur- Hatton take on Scotty Shuffler and Sam Burns. Here's the problem with the U.S. team. The U.S. team has not won on European soil in 30 years, my man. It's been a long time. So, Brent, don't bet. So, Brent, don't bet. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know what? I like to break two. break trends. <laughs> okay. Well, Matt, I'll tell you what. Match two has three rookies going. Uh, Ludwig Arbeg and Victor Hovland versus Brian uh, Brian Harmon from the U.S., the British Open champion, and Max Homa. And Brent, who's Max Homa sponsored by? He's sponsored by Elijah Craig, Jim. Oh, there you go. Gosh, bless him. You know, match three features Shane Lowry and Sepp Straka versus Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa. And in match four, the anchor match, which uh, this is a pretty interesting match. Uh, you're going to have Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood versus uh, Patrick Cantlay and uh, Xander Shoffley. Uh This course is, uh, man, I'm going to tell you what, it is hot. Uh, it, was, it was 88 today. Uh, it was 88 here in Rome is about 108 in the U.S. But uh, what, what I am going to do, guys, is I'm going to give you to my golfing expert to my left, which is my brother, Mike. And he's got a couple holes that everybody's going to need to watch over the weekend. And I'm telling you, Johnny, when I'm telling you, John, this is a breakdown. This is a breakdown. Johnny, Brent, how's it going, my man? Hello, Mike. How are you, how you doing, Mike? 
Listen, I've been babysitting for a couple of days over here. That's what I, I guarantee do. you have. This is old daycare at its finest. All right, my friend. He's got a forty of Peroni. Yeah, Jimmy's, got a 40 of Peroni. Jimmy's got a forty of Peroni in his hand right now, and Sarah, I don't know what the hell she's drinking, but that's all right. Listen, Johnny, my <laughs> overall view of this course: it is extremely hilly with tons of elevation. The back nine is almost right. all uphill, with the exception of a couple of keyholes, and they're both drivable par fours downhill. Um, super tight fairways, and these undulating greens are brutal. We did. Jimmy mentioned we watched the Ryder Cup players, uh, the junior Ryder Cup players, get taken to the woodshed all day on them. At one point, it looked like the Hanson brothers from the movie Slapshot were out there slapping balls around <laughs> the eleventh green. It, it was not That's pretty, awesome, friend. Not pretty. Hey, hey, Mike, uh, are, are you pushing your are you pushing your twin brother around in a wheelbarrow? I mean, with all these yeah. these hills and such, how's he making it? Dude, I've been carrying him on my back like I have been my entire life, my friend. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> That's why I'm skinnier oh, than that's him. Great. Anyway, hey, I'm I mean, seriously though. This, this, I don't think TV is going to do this course justice. It's almost like watching Augusta. You really don't know how much elevations out there. This thing is unbelievably hilly. We walked this entire course today, and I'm beat. So, and then Jimmy also mentioned too. I don't think uh, that anybody's mentioning this. It is super hot over here, really muggy. And uh, I'm telling you what, this Euro scum don't like this kind of weather, Johnny. I bet you. <laughs> I bet you. We, Americans yeah. got to take a stand over there. They, they do. 35 years is yeah. a long time. It I think you got to get time. some stuff yeah. going. So, Mike, what's your, you got, you got a good time. bet out there. We, we just got done with our Larceny yeah. Lock, Luna's Little Shot program. Talking some betting. You got anybody over there? I mean, with these matchups going on, uh, who, who, who you got? Who should we look for? Sam, Sam, watch any course, Sam Burns, watch any uh, team that he's going to play on. think that guy's hot right now. He looked great today. Um Patrick Cantlay is awesome. Don't Victor Hoblin right now is top of his game. Um, and I don't think Rory brings it. He's not going to. Bet against that guy this week. Rory's not going to bring anything. Yeah. So You know, I'm with you. Um, and and I, I'm a big fan of uh, Max Homa again. I've I'm, I'm been following Max since he's uh, uh, probably sponsored by Elijah Craig. Uh, and you guys are over there. And I got to see some great pictures from uh, from Jim and Sarah shooting over some great Elijah Craig photos with the bar and and on the big backdrop up there. So it's going to be great. You guys are going to be there Saturday to see it. Hey, I uh, want to pass along. Mr. Tommy Sutton says hello to all of you guys. He's sitting here over there. I wanted to pass that to you. But, uh, hey, uh, again, you, there's three big holes to watch, though, Brent. Three big holes. Number eight, number 11, and 16 is going to be the most fun hole to watch on golf. It'll be the most fun hole all weekend. It is a drivable par four. It's the widest fairway in the course. The super elevated tee, the green 66 feet below their, uh, when they tee off. It is, they're going to be licking their chops on this one. But water on the right, three bunkers on the left. It is, uh, they're going to go for it, man. But it is, there's going to be a lot of bogeys on that hole. So, wow. Um, you, got, you guys got a spot? Friend, Did you find a... Oh, oh yeah. We're definitely... We're, uh, we're, we're popping on 16, and then uh, we're going to uh, go over to number 11. Those are probably going to be the two holes that we set out the most. And we got a special sign-off for you today, Johnny. We really okay, do. Okay, I'm ready. So, we, we made friends over here, and I'm sitting next to this beautiful, beautiful Italian oh. lady. And she wants to hey, say you better be sending me a picture of this stuff right here, okay? Because I'm I'm, uh, I'm gonna have a lonely Thursday night back here in Central <laughs> Indiana. Yeah, I got. She's gonna say something to you, Johnny, in their native language. So hang tight. Here she is. Okay, I'm ready. Ciao, Johnny. 
c'è un uomo bellissimo con quei capelli così folti e sexy ah, ti invio cento mille baci da Roma Garbatella baci that sounds good i don't care what she just said. She yes, said the she could have just said <laughs> yes. in English, could you come over and clean my toilet? And, and I got, would have been aroused. You got a then. third arousal yes. right there. There you go. There's the trifecta. Johnny, that's just it. That's awesome. Jesus. I, I will send you over text what she just broke down to you, but she just said, hey, you sexy man with a beautiful head of hair. I'm oh. sending 100 kisses to you. Oh, you guys are awesome. I love the Romanex over there. The Romanex, the Romies live in Rome for the Ryder Cup. Hey, thank her, too. And uh, I love this. This sounds better than me right here. <laughs> hey, Mike. Johnny, we're there for you, man. Do you know the kind of dirt I had to dig up today to get some of the <laughs> I bet you I mean, did. Uh, you, probably, you probably lost a little bit of money on that right there, I'd imagine. Hey, that's well done. Hey, Mike and Jim and Sarah, we love you guys very much. Enjoy your time over in Rome. And thank you guys for calling in before the first round of the Ryder Cup, guys. My friend, and Miss Daniela says ciao. Love you. Love you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Let's go ahead and cue the band back at the studio, James. Our week four, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul, Tequila Shot starts tonight. Amazon TV's got you. Two and a half point favorites. Detroit on the road at Lambeau. Are you kidding me? I think we're going to see a rejuvenated, as Brent Halverson suggested, Packer team effort in Lambeau. I'm going to go ahead and take that plus two and a half. And give me the Packers at home tonight. God, I love hearing you say that, John. You know what? This is going to be a true test right here. Again, we've talked a lot about this Lions team. Both teams sitting at two and one. Yeah. Green Bay has been at, without Aaron Jones for the last two weeks. They have not seen Christian Watson on the field yet this year. Looking like they're both going to play. We do have a, a, a Cam just gave us some breaking news. Bakhtari is on yeah. the IR. We knew he was going to be out today. But uh, you know what? I think uh, with that comeback win last week, Jordan Love at home, second game at home. Packers have this great home record. I know we, 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 we've kind of had a couple quarterbacks that have gotten us through a lot of those yes. things. Jordan Love is that guy. He's for real. Give me the Packers plus two and a half to go out and win outright tonight, Sean, John. talk to me. Well, you know, Brent, I see that you got the Packers shirt on. <laughs> Uh, but I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go with the Detroit Lions since, well, hometown team for me. I was born in Detroit, so I'll have to go with it. Hey, I have love you ever it. heard me talk about the state of Michigan? No, I don't think. I'm not a, I'm not you a know, fan. I usually catch you on Saturday mornings on I won't. 
That, oh, I, when I'm doing home and garden? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't rip the state of Michigan on home and garden. <laughs> because you guys grow some weed up there. I'd be down with that. <laughs> Legal state. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down with that part of Michigan. Just not the rest of it. All right. Let's go to our game number two. Week four. Larcity Bourbon Locks. Luna's old tequila shots. Over in London, the first back-to-backs for the Jaguars. Three-point favorites against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Falcons kind of got a dose of reality last week. However, Jacksonville has been among the most disappointing teams of the NFL to this point, and then recently, look it up. They haven't been very good in London whatsoever. They're home away from home. However, I believe this is going to be a situation where they get back on track. Lay that three, Brent Halverson, and give me the Jaguars in London on Sunday morning. Yeah, you said home away from home. They really are. It's pretty wild watching they, them play they, across the They struggled the pond. there here recently. They though. have, but yeah. they got that home home field advantage almost. Right? Mm-hmm. You get a lot of Jaguar fans over there. I'm still looking for Jacksonville to do something, you know. Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. Line on its three. I'm going to go ahead and say Jaguars 24-20. That means they cover the three. I'll take the Jags, lay the three. Michigan, Sean. Uh, well, you know, I, I think it's interesting that the NFL seems to be uh, trying to expand their market a little bit more. Make more money. Increasing more of their... kind of what you're doing uh, in this plaza right here, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the AL employee yeah. in the NFL is exactly. looking to grow. Um, as far as... I'll go with Jacksonville. Jacksonville. There you go. Take it. All right. Here's what's up next here. How about Buffalo and Miami? Miami has been incredible. Put up 7-0 at home against the Broncos last week. Buffalo has been, at least to start, they haven't been as good as I thought they were going to be, but I think this is when they shine. Three-point favorites. This is dangerous because Miami has been so good, but Buffalo at home as the favorite. I'm going to go ahead and lock this thing up, too. My Larceny Bourbon lock of the week is Buffalo lay the three, and they're going to give Miami what Denver would like to give Miami coming off of last week. Buffalo lay the three. Give me the bills, Brent Holverson. Wow, and lock, lock it, it, up, it up, too. I like that. Lock it's that bold. son of a gun up. It's isn't strong enough for me for to lock it up, John. But Look at Cam's I- moving around all over here, all nervous, thinking I'm wrong with this. Lock it up. I like it. I like it because I like the bills as well. And, and you know what's wild? I mean, you see that 70-burger put up by Miami last week. Everybody's going to be betting on Miami thinking they're going to score the same amount again. It's not going to happen that easy. That Buffalo Bills defense is pretty strong. I think you're right. Josh Allen at home. Line is three in Buffalo. you got to think those line makers know what they're doing out there. I'm going to take Buffalo. I think they win by a touchdown. Uh, give me the Bills. Lay the three. Buffalo or Miami, Sean? Oh, I don't know. What are the chances we can get Doug Flutie to come out of retirement? Slim and numb. He's doing those Nutrigenics commercials. Well, I think I'll still go with Buffalo. All right, all right. He's, he's cranking it up in those Nutrigenics commercials right there. Uh, Large City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Shout out to Tommy S. over here. The zero on the season Vikings, his Vikings, on the road at Carolina. Uh, Minnesota, actually four-point favorites on the road. Lay it. Give me the Vikings for Tommy S., to score their first win of the season on the road in Charlotte Sunday. Well, I'm going to be the first to say I absolutely love Tom Sutton. But that's not going to help my pick this week because I tell you what, this Viking squad, I can't figure them out. They're good. They got the greatest receiver in the NFL right now in Justin Jefferson and Addison. I mean, they got the whole whole yeah. deal, right? They got it all. They just can't put it together. And those Carolina Panthers, you see what the, uh, the Red Rocket came back last week, bringing them to that game. I tell you what, Carolina wins this one outright, 24-23. I'll take the Panthers plus four. Sean from Michigan. I don't know. I think Minnesota's hungry for a win. Uh, I do, too. I have to take them. Like, like our guy Tommy S. over there, hungry for a win. Hungry for a win. <laughs> That's right. 
Broncos and Bears. All right, so the Broncos gave up 70 last week. They're on the road in Chicago. Uh, maybe the worst team, if not the worst team in the NFL. They are at last check, three-and-a-half-point favorites. It's weird. I, I think what's going to happen here is the Broncos are going to bounce back, I guess, with a crappy team, which is what they need. Lay that three-and-a-half and give me the Broncos on the road in Chicago this weekend, Brent. You know, again, this is tough for me because I do not like the Bears whatsoever. Yeah. And they are just horrible. They look bad. I thought they were going to come out and do a little bit more last week, getting Fields involved in the run game. They still got to get him more involved. That's where he shines and excels. But they're in Chicago. Denver is Denver. They're, they're just not jiving yet. I'm going to take the points. Give me uh, the, the Chicago Bears plus three and a half to get the cover at home. Denver wins the game 24-23, but the Bears cover. Sean grew up near Ypsilanti, Michigan. Go ahead. I'm well, just making know, that up. I'm not sure if you did or Chicago's not. Chicago's just not looking all that good this year so <laughs> no, far. not at all. You know, they're, they're bound to win at least one, but I don't think it's going to be against Denver. I think Denver's going to take it. There you go. All right, so the Colts and the Ravens that lost last week in dramatic fashion in overtime. Matt Gay, who was on the show yesterday, four, count them, four of five, 50-plus, including the 53-year-old game winner. Ravens. Going on the road to Cleveland. This is a big game. Early season. AFC North coming up on Sunday. Browns coming off a win as well. Here's what I like. Ronnie Stanley is back along that offensive line, and that's been an absolute mess. A lot of injuries in Baltimore last week, and certainly Stanley did not play. So the Browns, three-point favorites at home. Give me that plus three. I'm going to take the Ravens on the road to get back on the winning track, Brent Halverson. Yeah, I like that call. I'm with you, John. Give me the Ravens plus three. I, I think it's going to be a good game. But I think Baltimore, again, they still have they, – they've yet to unleash the Hounds, right? I think this is going to happen this week. I the Hounds have been injured. The, the Hounds have been at the vet. That, you know, that's, it's all of the NFL, <laughs> yeah. too. The injury yeah. bug's really hitting. So, But uh, I'm going to join you. Give me Baltimore. I'll take the uh, plus three points, and uh, we'll go from there. Jackson, Michigan's own Sean from the AL Emporium. What do you got? You know, uh, after, the, after that sad loss yeah. for Baltimore last, right. last week. For them, yes. When, uh, in the uh, – Closing minutes of the of the overtime. Uh, I think that they're pretty hungry for a win this week. I think that they'll go to Cleveland and take it. How about Houston, man? And and CJ Stroud, say what you want. This guy is going to be beyond legit. Big numbers in Jacksonville last weekend. Houston gets their first win of the season at home against the Steelers. The Steelers are two and a half point favorites. The secondary is banged up for Houston. Give me Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Can you do a little bit of something offensively for me with my fantasy team? Hopefully so. I'm going to lay that two and a half. Take the Steelers on the road. I think the Texans are going to be up and down, but Stroud is beyond impressive, Brent Halverson. Yeah, you know, I, I tell you, I, I think, I mean, I like this Houston, their grit, right? There's I mean, crap around him right Tank now. Dell, he and Nico Collins is it. That's it. Nick Tank Dell. Tank yeah. Dell, who's, who's a, a great fantasy Tank pick Dell, out. yes, go ahead. You yes. know, and I actually forgot to, uh, before we move on, I did forget my uh, Lunazul shot yeah. of the week. That's up in Miami, that Miami game. And that's our boy, uh, Devon Achan. Devon Achan, running yeah, back. Yeah, it used to be Achan until this week, and now it's Achan. Now it's Achan. you got to say it properly, right? You're getting right? with so the times. I'm I getting like with that. the times, yeah. man. But, hey, let's get back to this. Uh, where are we at? Uh, we're on the Steeler and Texan yeah. game. I like Houston. I like Stroud a lot. I think Houston's actually going to make this a really close game. I still haven't seen a whole lot out of Pittsburgh that really makes me think they're going to go in there and make it easy. Uh, I think Pittsburgh might win the game 20 to 19, but you're giving me two and a half points. I'd, I'd always buy that half point, make it three. I'll take the Houston Texans to get the cover. Steelers, Texans, Sean. You know, from what I've seen of both the Houston Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, I think this game's almost kind of a coin toss. 
You know, heads, I'll take the Steelers. Yeah. Tails, I'll go with the Texans. So I'll flip a coin real quick. You did? Looks like it's heads. I guess I'm going with Pittsburgh. I right. like it right there. Larson, <laughs> Brevin Locks, Luda's with the the Shots. Week four, Buccaneers and the Saints. The Saints are going to be, I'm assuming, right, right now with Jameis Winston. Yes. Uh, as their starter. Yep. Jameis Winston. You know, what's, what's, what's interesting about that is I still think they're going to have enough here. I've not been a believer in the Buccaneers. I think that kind of came to light against the Eagles last week at home in Tampa. So I'm going to lay that three and a half. Give me the Saints at home in an NFC South matchup with the Buccaneers, Brent. Yeah, you know, this is a tough one, I, and, and I feel bad going against you. kind of been a little hot streak here, John. I'm, I'm very hot. I'm going against you on this one, though. I think Tampa Bay, and again, it's going to be a close. I think it's a field goal game one way or another. I'm going to get that extra half point, uh, uh, taking the underdog. I'm going to take uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three and a half to get the cover. Sean is not from Kalamazoo, Michigan. I'm sorry, Tampa. dude. I'm messing you up. Oh, that's all right, man. <laughs> I'll go Tampa Bay all the way, baby. Tampa Bay, all right. All right, the Commanders and the Eagles, uh, I'm telling you, I got this vision. I've got this vision of Sam Howell just having the worst weekend of all time. Cam, you, you got where I'm on here? I, I just got this vision of Sam Howell having a really bad weekend. Um, the Eagles, they're still not playing their best ball. Eight-point favorites at home against the Commanders. Lay it, as I used to say back in the 1990s. It never quite got done. <laughs> Lay the eight and take the Eagles at home against the Commanders. Brent Holverson. Hey, can I ask you real quick, yeah. John, was your vision, that your vision that you have, wasn't that last week? Did you see him throw four picks last week? Was that your vision? I believe that was like week one. I think it's over. My vision's over now. Your vision's over. Coming back. Yes. I, I'm with you on that pick, though, and I'm strong on My this peyote. game. On peyote. Wow. Hey. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh, I will take – I, I like the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles to win this one by two touchdowns. And, and just like last week, you know, Miami was yeah. the larceny lock of the week, and they put up a 70-burger, win 70-20. to 20. I don't think Philly's going to put up 70, but I think they win by two touchdowns plus. My larceny lock of the week, Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. lay the eight. What do you got, Sean? Oh, I think Philadelphia is uh, coming off their Super Bowl loss last year. I think that they're uh, they're really trying to get back hard this year and – I'm going to go with the, with the Eagles. All right. I'm kind of torn on this one right here. Torn between two teams, kind of feeling like a fool. That's a 70s song right there on our Larceny Bourbon Locks. Luna's will to keep the shots. The Bengals, I think, are going to get better offensively. Uh, still, the, the calf situation with Joe Burrow is a concern. But late in that game against the Rams on Monday night, their offense started clicking better than it has. Tennessee, normally I would take it home because I think they're just gritty and gutty in that fashion. Not here. And I see right now two-point favorites of the Bengals lay the two. Give me Cincy on the road in Nashville. Brandon, by the way, coming up after this week in Indy, the Tennessee Titans, everybody. That's right. So, yeah. Line and wait could be Colts. Both speak. these teams have not looked good. I mean, we're, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with Cincinnati. You're waiting for Burrow to kind of get out there and expand. He's practiced all week, so that's got to be a positive thing for the first time. Uh, you know, that Tennessee squad, they just can't score any points. I mean, I love the under in this game. I, actually, if I'm going to bet it with something, give me the under. But I'm going to join you. I'll take Cincinnati. Lay the two on the road to go in and get the win. They win 23-19. Hey, Sean, we like Teddy Pendergrass in this place right now. We dim the lights, or what do we do here? We dim yeah, the we're lights. Just, we're, we got to start preparing for that. We got to bring the ambiance, you know, the mood for after war. The, the, the mood. mood. The mood is officially underway as we dim the lights. What do you got, buddy? Oh, I'll go with Cincinnati on the road. I think they've got a pretty good shot. 
Pretty good shot, according to Sean. I don't like Luna Zool. Right? Raiders and Chargers. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to get into the Chandler Jones stuff. If you guys have seen the tweets and the videos today, um, it, somebody needs to intervene on this. I don't think there's any question whether it's one of his brothers, somebody in his family, teammate, friend, the NFLPA, something. If you haven't seen him on Twitter today and the video regarding Josh McDaniels and Aaron Hernandez and, and what he's saying about it, it's a bad situation. However, he's not participating. Raiders and Chargers on the road in L.A. The Chargers are always willing to disappoint. This is a big number for a team that likes to dis- disappoint like that. I just think ultimately their offense is going to be too good. Their defense can't stop anybody. Lay that five-and-a-half point favorite that the Chargers are and give me L.A. at home, Brent. I like that too, John. I mean, if you yeah. look at these teams, <clears throat> excuse me, both sitting at one and two, Chargers have put up uh, twice as many points in three games. They're at 86 to 45 for the Raiders. I don't think the Raiders can hold up with them. I think that they are, you're right. The Chargers high power offense. I think they're going to come out. Uh, give me the Chargers, lay the five and a half, get the win at home. Sean. No, I'll take the points and I'll have to go with the Raiders on the road. What an embarrassing performance for America's so-called team last weekend in Arizona. Shout out to Jonathan Gannon for getting that first win, too. Uh, we'll get to the Cardinals coming up in the next pick, but the Cowboys back at home, six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Patriots. And, and I don't know if it's going to come down to Mac Jones, maybe, I don't know, kneeing somebody in the nuts or something like that, which I guess he's doing right now, right? Well, be a little dirty as a player, as a quarterback, right? Whatever the case, Patriots don't have a chance. Cowboys are going to come out from start to finish and play big. Lay that six and a half. Give me the Cowboys at home. You got to think they're going to come back after that uh, humiliating loss last week to the Cardinals, like you mentioned. Dallas at home. And the numbers actually moved. Yep. It opened up at eight, and it's down to six and a half. So there's some money on Belichick's Patriots. I don't think they can do it. I think it's going to be closer than everybody thinks, but they still get the cover. Give me Dallas. Lay the six and a half. Sean, talk to me. Well, I don't think that the New England Patriots have it quite this year, and I'm going to have to go with America's team at home. Josh Dobbs can't get his own jersey in the Cardinals gift shop earlier this week. Got his <laughs> first win in the Cardinal uniform. Cardinals first win for their rookie head coach, Jonathan Gannon, this past weekend over Dallas. Impressive. That number's big. In San Francisco, Levi Stadium, 14-point underdogs, And I know that all signs point to San Fran because of how good they have been, arguably the best team in the NFL. But I'm going to take that 14 and give me the Cardinals because, honestly, they haven't been playing that bad. And we saw that against Dallas last weekend. So give me that 14, and I'm going to take the Cardinals on the road. I don't know why. Maybe it's the drunken state. I don't know, it's but that, I'm going to take the card. It's called that big, fat number, John. And then you get the 14 14's points. Big, that's dude. a big number yeah. because you got backdoor covers. And, and not the backdoor you're thinking of, John, but if you got backdoor covers <laughs> that happen all the time in the NFL. And, you know, if you look at the Cardinals have put up yep. 72 points with the number 12 high scored team in the NFL. And you've got uh, San Fran's at number three. San Fran is well-rounded all the way around. But, again, I like that backdoor cover. I'm going to take the Cardinals with you, plus 14. Sean! No, I'm going to have to go against both of you guys. I don't know if 14 points is enough. I think that San Francisco is going to score even more at home. I'll take the 49ers in San Francisco. All right, the uh, Kansas City Swifties versus the Jets (laughs) in New York. All right? The only thing interesting about this matchup is the fact that another weekend of NFL with Taylor Swift, because there's really going to be nothing else that's going to be the focus here. It's going to be Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey, that relationship in New York against the Jets. 
The Jets are a mess. They bring in Trevor Simeon. Um, obviously, he's new to the team. It's still going to be Zach Wilson. He's been a mess. Joe Namath spoke out against him earlier this week. So that is not going at all the way that the Jets thought it was going to be. But when you lose Aaron Rodgers in the first three plays of the season, you know that things aren't going to be rosy. When you look at the Chiefs, nine-and-a-half-point favorites, I think this was an easy call right here. Go ahead and lay that number. It's going to be bigger than that. Give me the Chiefs on the road, the Swifties on the road against the Jets. The Swifties, indeed. Yeah. You know, I, and the, the Jets, man, they're just, it's, it's, it's sad. I, I was, we talked about it. I was really looking forward to seeing Aaron Rodgers do some stuff for him over yep. there. The Packers East, as they're known now. And all those Packers that went over there are like, well, what do we do now? You know, we got, we got Zach Wilson. And until Zach Wilson is, uh, is gone, they're going to struggle. They're the worst team in the NFL as far as uh, uh, points scored. Uh, Kansas City is going to come in there. Now, they do have a, the Jets have a great defense. But Kansas City, lay the nine and a half. They get that easy cover. I'm going to say 27-13. Sean, what do you got? Well, I don't know how much uh, New York was laying all their hopes on Aaron Rodgers this year and losing him in the first yeah. game. I don't know how that's In the first gonna, 60 seconds, yeah. too, at that, right? And how that's going to affect their play for the rest of the season. And Kansas City... Obviously, having won the Super Bowl, what, last two years, three years, I think that they're, uh, they're a pretty tough team. They're always going to be the team to beat. And since they added probably 23 million more uh, viewers last year, or fans <laughs> right. last week, right. last yeah. week, yeah. Or, you love them. That's probably going to be the highest uh, <laughs> highest. Hell, that's just in Omaha, Nebraska right there, too. So, so, yeah. I did see a stat, though, that yep. uh, Travis Kelsey – um, Taylor Swift makes more in, in one show than he makes an entire season. So yeah. she's wearing the pants in that family. The Jets will win in viewership. <laughs> I wish somebody wore the pants. I need somebody to wear the pants for me. <laughs> I think I'm sick of wearing the pants. You look good in them, John. <laughs> hey, hey, by the way, hey, Sean. Hey, I see you. Need, <laughs> I, know what that I already like. saw you needed another <laughs> is one. That, is that, that, that the sound of the host? <laughs> needs a refill right there, Sean. Larsity Bourbon Locks, Luna's Real Tequila Shots, Seahawks and Giants is a pick em. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Seahawks in this Brent. What do you got? I'm with you as well. I mean, this game, uh, you know, again, there's been some money movement on it. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle as well. I think Seattle gets a win. 27-24 on the road. Sean, talk to us. Hmm. Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I'll go with the Seahawks. I like the way you're thinking right there. You know what's funny about the Colts this season? I was not going to pick them to win until week four at home against the Rams. But now they've won two consecutive. And they gutted it out. In a fun game to watch on Sunday against the Ravens, one of the better teams, even though injured in the AFC. I love this matchup for the Colts coming up on Sunday. Lucas Oil Stadium at 1 o'clock. This game is a pick 'em last check. Yeah. The hell with that. Give me the Colts. Colts are going to win this thing 28-17. to 28-17. Colts. Over the Rams on Sunday, Brent Holmes. I think it'll be an exciting game to watch. I mean, this is two teams kind of like grinding at it. Be closer than what I think is uh, all you're saying? I think it is. I think it's going to come down to like a, a, a last-second field goal. Yeah. Uh, Colts. I got the Colts 22-21 and an odd score right there. Colts by one. Everybody's going to be excited Give about this. Give me the Colts. 28-17. Sean, close it. Well, now I've got a question because I've been, you've been immersed in sports all day, and I've yes. been immersed in wings all day. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I believe on my drive-in this morning that I heard that Anthony Richardson was practicing today. He's good to go. Yes. I, I believe unless week. there's a setback. Is he going to play this week? Yeah, unless there's a setback. Everything yeah. is yeah. training yeah. center, so, brother. Yeah. I'm, I'm still curious to see how our season's going to look with it because we haven't seen that much from him so far. Um, be good, brother. Be so ready. I'm ready. Jump, to, jump I'm ready. on my back, and I'll take you there, Sean. There and, uh, and give us a good game. And 
you know, bring some excitement back to Indianapolis. Absolutely football. right. There He's you go. It. He's got it. Sean, well done, man. Yeah, That's Sean. Nice, man. Hey, ask for awesome. Sean at Ala Forum here. Mr. Hermanaki Wings here. Sean, that was awesome. <laughs> Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.